Welcome to the Retail Darwin Podcast. I'm Taylor West, joined by my lovely co-host, Karina Donoso. We're here to explore the evolution of retail alongside industry professionals, thought leaders, and other inspiring voices. What started as an internal newsletter of what was new and next happening in the world we work in has evolved into this podcast filled with insights from so many amazing people. We're excited to welcome you to listen in on season four, which highlights influential brand founders to bring their incredible stories to you, hear about their challenges, their triumphs, and continue to explore the evolution of what's next. Harry Arnett is co-founder of sport utility gear brand Municipal with partners Mark Wahlberg and Steven Levinson. Launched in summer 2020, Municipal fuses modern street style with sports performance, comfort, and versatility. Prior to Municipal, Harry impressively served as EVP of Callaway Golf Company and Vice President of Global Marketing at TaylorMade Adidas Golf, which is amazing. I was saying to Karina the other day, like, wow, you got a movie star, you've got a golf exec and um, a producer. Like, what does that make? Awesomeness. Yeah. <laughs> the best brand ever. It sounds like it sounds like the start of a joke. Yeah, a yeah. movie star, a producer, and a golf guy enter a, a room. Yeah, they walk into a right? bar. Yeah, go into a bar, exactly. Sorry. That's funny. Um, yeah, and it's so exciting because now you're at The Current with our pop-up. And Karina, if you want to talk a little bit about that and all the exciting newness happening there. Those that are, you know, sleeping at the wheel, The Current is home to our ever-evolving line of pop-up brands. And um, it sits right along Seaport Boulevard um, in Seaport, Boston. And we are so excited to be working with Municipal. And um, it's been a pleasure, Harry, to work with you and your team to turn around what I think was our fastest pop-up opening. And for those that have ever worked with our team, we do work really fast, but I don't know if we've ever met the right partner to work at the, the pace with us. And you guys buckled up. And I think we did that in a, in two weeks. That was a land speed record. I know that we still haven't caught our breath from the, yeah. uh, I think it was like nine days. We went from, yeah. okay, let's do this to the doors are open. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty magical. So yeah, it's, that it'll go down in my team's history for probably and also smoothest, smoothest and an opening in record speed. So that's great. We sent the right people from our team to do it. The most chill, nothing can rattle them. People there, we that's kept great. away the uh, the Jack Russell Terriers of the group. We kept back because we knew no, they're gonna they're gonna their heads are gonna explode. Yeah, you had like you brought me like all the cocker spaniels, like just gentle, loving, and like did it. Love it. Dr. Spaniels. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So here, you've had a long standing career in a number of brands. Can you tell us how you got started and, and found yourself here at Municipal? Taylor just called me old. That no. was nice. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I started, I'm not even sure I, I have started, but so you're kind. Um, I think I, and I'm not a millennial, but I feel like I'm an honorary millennial because my career path is very millennial-esque. Um, I started out coming out of college. I worked in, in radio on programming. So morning radio shows in sports and um, really following that passion of, of wanting to be around sports and athletes. And um, unfortunately, what I realized pretty quickly is I didn't want to be around radio personalities. I like the athletes part and I like the sports part, but the radio personalities and the lifestyle of radio, um, was, uh, not really suited. I, I was not a great match for that. 
So for number, first of all, I like to sleep. <laughs> that was a problem working morning radio. And uh, I don't like to smoke or drink heavily. That was a problem for all radio, but uh, I'll talk radio anyway. So I, I left that and went to work in um, for a book publisher, not even in sports. So we were, we were covering emerging genres of art, totally different from sports. And I, th- that part was really, was really cool because we were doing a lot of innovative stuff. But, uh, but I really, in the back of my mind, wanted to get back to being around sports and athletes and health and wellness when no one described that as health and wellness back in the day. And uh, I ended up getting into sporting goods, working for a company in general sporting goods. And then ultimately, I found my way into golf, which was another passion of mine um, and was in the golf, pure golf industry for about 15 years at TaylorMade and then later at Callaway. And uh, along the way, the, the most avid, passionate, rabid, obsessed golfer on the planet earth is Mark Wahlberg. So I met Mark through golf and we, I always say we became friends. I'm not even sure he would say we're friends. Uh, we're friends back then, but we were definitely connected because Mark knows everyone. And you probably saw that, or at least Karina did when we came and Mark showed up at the pop-up. I mean, everyone knows Mark, especially in Boston, but, uh, so everybody knows Mark and Mark and I would, would talk off and on for the better part of, five, five to 10 years about mostly about golf brands. He's also, uh, uh, incredible consumer of, of all information and media. It's, I think that would surprise people about Mark is how curious and, um, and up to speed on like name a subject. He kind of knows about it. He's just, cause he's constantly, he reads everything. He studies, he studies everything. I guess it's because he gets up at 3 a.m., so he has more time than all of us. But, so him and anyway, I would so, be best friends because he's the only person I know that's up at that hour besides me. Why are you up at that hour? What is wrong with you? I have, don't the, do Mark, it. I have the Mark Wahlberg. Disease. You are I, obsessed. I don't even, and you know what? He does it for all his reasons. It's my, I, I'm like born this way. Like truly, that's my time to shine. 4 a.m. is the best version uh, of myself. But what time are you going to bed? Because he's going to bed at like eight. No, he's. Are you going to bed at eight? God, no. Yeah. I I have like no. I'm in bed like by ten. <laughs> by ten. Uh, that's not enough sleep. Not enough sleep. Yeah. yeah, but the good thing is when you're going to bed at eight, there's you're not getting in any trouble because no no trouble happens before eight p.m. Sure, sure. But anyway, we so Mark and I met, and um, over the course of that, we talk about brands, and then most recently before municipal, we were talking about what was happening in the market with sports and streetwear and of course like athleisure, which both of us, when we say the word athleisure, we would sort of laugh because it's such a lame word. Um, and we were, we really were noticing collectively that there was this opportunity to merge all of these things together so that we in particular or people like us, wouldn't have to make compromises. So if we wanted to be comfortable and wear versatile stuff, we didn't want it to be like lame or boring. And if we wanted to wear stuff that we thought was like pretty cool, we didn't want it to feel, we didn't want to be uncomfortable. We wanted it to perform. So putting all those things together, we started to talk about, there should be a brand that does that. And uh, fast forward, 
we were just like, why don't we do that brand? And so I left my, my role at, uh, at Callaway, left the, the comfort and security of a steady paycheck. And, um, and you know, all the stuff that's like really boring and unnecessary, like retirement and savings <laughs> and all that stuff <laughs> to, to do a startup with Mark and, uh, and Lev, who I met through Mark is the third co-founder. And he is very much like us in that he's living from one meeting to the next going to, um, he's got little kids, so he's going to hit balls, you know, on the golf course or he's playing tennis and then he's going to go pick his daughter up. And then along the way, he's had three meetings to work on whatever movies next. And so that like versatility, that action, the lifestyle was something that we were like, we all kind of shared that in a weird way, even though their life is a lot more hype than mine. And so, um, I think that over the course of kind of talking about it, that's, that's how municipal emerged to be the brand that, uh, that we always wanted and was not out there. So sometimes the most obvious things are right in front of your face. You just have to, you have to pay attention. That certainly has been our case. Where did the name municipal come from? Would you guys just sitting in a room and like, you know what, here's the name we're going to use. We didn't, you know, Mark and Lev had wanted to do a brand that was unrelated to what municipal is today. And they were thinking of it as being like a sports brand for the masses. And they like the fact that municipal courts, municipal golf courses are really like the place where the people first started their love of playing and, and sports, et cetera. And it had a, it had an openness. There was an accessibility about it. There's a real community, um, a real community meeting to it. And we like that. And on top of that, like for me, when they were first talking about it, I love things that are understandable and real applied. You know, I don't, I always hated the brands that had like some fake guy's name that doesn't exist, you know, yeah. like, Oh, this is uh, the whatever brand. You're like, Oh, who's that guy? And like, well, that guy doesn't really exist. He's just a made up person. You know, I, I, I despise brands like that or brands that are cute or have a cute name or a funky spelling or those. I just, I'm really allergic to that. So the fact that it was this kind of hard scrabble, really almost common name applied to really cool stuff that, that I, I really like that. And I think those guys did too. So um, that's how the name began. So it really is about having people uh, feel like, the place that they they learned their love of, of sport, their passion for sport, their passion for activity, and it's pretty democratic. You you show up at a at a basketball court, and if you're good enough, you stay on the court. If you aren't, then you're off, and another group's on. So we like that. I like that. So so tell me, your the brand is how old now? Well, we started in 2020, and we I left my my role at Callaway at the, right towards the end of of 2019 wow. and our, our plan was to launch the brand in April of 2020. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but do you guys remember that pandemic? Oh, yeah. You guys remember that? Oh, I think, I oh, yeah. think I do. Yeah. Google it. Yeah. Google it. Karina, <laughs> Google it. It happened yeah. in 2020. It, yeah, as a matter of fact, in March of 2020. I, I call it that damn virus. Yeah. That damn virus. Exactly. That so virus. that, that, 
set us back. I mean, you know, fortunately we were all healthy and, but that, uh, that really disrupted our launch. And, um, we ended up launching kind of in the middle of 2020, right in the middle of the, of the pandemic and the shutdown. We did it. We only had a few products instead of the full, the full array that we were wanting to present the sport utility gear concept. But we also felt like, you know, let's launch it. Let's get it out there. Just the, the notion of that we survived as a brand, we didn't lay anyone off, um, which I'm really proud of during that time. So we had, we had hired, uh, you know, a bunch of people as we were ramping up towards this launch. And then we launched several months later. So I always say that startups have many birthdays. So whenever anybody said, when did you guys start? It's like, well, we officially started in the fall of 2019, but we didn't have a product for sale until the middle of 2020, but we really didn't have a brand to speak of with lots of products until 2021. So we are about to hit our, our third year. Yes. Our third year of, um, of being officially in business where people can buy products of ours, but in the fall will be four years of when we all started working on this project. That's incredible. And, you know, we, we talked to so many brands and I think the third year is usually that sweet spot where they're, you guys are, you know, kind of publicly ready to really get yourself out of the digital box and get yourself physically Mm -hmm. acclimated to meet your customers. And I'd love to hear like, what was that journey to the yes to saying to the current? Now I know you guys have done pop-ups in, you know, more one day pop-ups and trunk shows and things like that. How has this been for the brand and meeting your customers and hearing feedback? And, you know, I'd love to, to dive into, you know, some of like what has been like, you know, the good and the bad with like your physical store. Okay. Let's start with the bad. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. There's no bad. bad. I mean, th- th- when we started, we knew that the concept of municipal and what we did and was such an experiential brand even at the most granular level, when you hold our products and touch our products, you see that the way we make them, the way we build them, the colors we use, the print are are so different and the quality is second to none. So we knew that this really is a brand that, that will not live as a, as digitally native forever. And, um, and I think that the, so, so being in a physical location, being available, multi, multi-distributed, multi-channel was always part of our plan. With the, with the, the, the way that the brand got launched with the pandemic, et cetera, we were slower, I think, to, to actually have the brand available outside of, of digital. But on the, on the other side of that, we never wanted this brand to be seen as a celebrity brand. We didn't want people to ever think of municipal as, Oh, this is Mark Wahlberg's municipal or municipal by Mark Wahlberg. Cause had we gone that route, we easily, very easily could have gotten distribution, retail distribution before we had even launched a product. That's just, I mean, you yeah. can't, you can't, uh, you know, you can't deny that you can't. Yeah. You, every, every place has these, I, I call them dumb celebrity brands, but I don't mean any. I guess I do disrespect them, but it just no, always no, seems but I so think cynical that's really, to me. Yeah, and I think that's incredible that you guys knew. I mean, I, it's hard for, there is, I don't want to use the word athleisure either, but you guys fall into a sports utility category. 
the apparel space is flooded with different brands that are showing up in that space now more than ever. And, you know, what I have, what I found so incredible and a surprise and delight because you never know what you're going to get is when I did feel the quality of your clothes, your leggings are, you know, incredible. They're, I mean, they definitely challenge, uh, you know, a Lululemon and Aloe who are in really big, you know, places, but yeah, if you like led with Mark Wahlberg, you know, you could have had a different, you know, you could have a different turnout. And I think it's incredible that you guys are really staying true to the value of your product and leaning into that first and not using the the celebrity angle to win over people because the product's going to do it for itself. And it has sustainability. You know, we always yeah. looked at this, or I did at least, I know Mark had left it too. Is we don't want municipal to be a flash in the pan to build something up to a revenue base and then sell it off to a private equity group or even a retailer. We want this to be something that's going to be around for a while. We, we very much see um, municipal as being the type of brand that someday will be a Nike or a Lululemon in terms of its cultural importance. And hopefully, you know, knock on wood, it's uh, it's commercial success. And the, the, the thing that, the reason I say that we, we didn't really want to ever be seen as a celebrity brand is, is deep down people know fundamentally these brands get started without the celebrity involved. And then they approach celebrities who attach their names on something that has already existed. So if you're doing, um, you know, in our case, if you're, if you're uh, an apparel brand, you already had an apparel concept and then you try to find the, the celebrity or the influencer base that is going to, put the megaphone on what you're already doing. And that's not our story. That's not authentic to us. Mark was involved at the very beginning, not just creatively, but um, in terms of the types of stuff that we're making and the mindset and living the lifestyle. So we, we always knew that having it be like, you know, so personality driven wasn't really authentic to what we were, we were trying to do. Now it just so happens he's one of the most recognizable celebrities on the planet earth. So we like that. But we always want people to, to know that what we're doing is, is authentic and true to the brand and we're not cutting any corners because that's, that's what our brand's all about. Our brand's all about putting, you know, making your dreams come true through, through hard work and hustle and, and doing that over and over and over again. Who, bet, who better represents that than Mark? Yeah. So. So you, you're, you're at the current right now and you're testing physical retail. And so what is, what is municipal thinking about in the net? Like what does five years look like for the brand? Like if you were to think ahead or you make a, a wish, like what would you want, where would you want the brand to be? Well, as I said before, like we, we really want to be uh, the type of brand that's helping to, to push the culture and be on the cutting edge of what's cool and what's relevant, but also very meaningful and substantive and how, where people find us, we want people when they find us to still have some element of that discoverability and the special, the specialness that we're there. So we don't want to be ubiquitous. You walk in every mall in America and you see municipal, you go in every cool upscale, um, shopping mall, indoor, outdoor, and you, you know, oh, we're, you would expect to see municipal there. We don't want to be that kind of brand. We, we want to be um, the type of brand that when, when we're somewhere, you know that it's cool that we're there or it's special that we're there. So that's how we'll, that's how we'll sort of 
um, also manage the experience, the brand experience better. So, you know, like we don't, you mentioned it, we don't do pop-ups everywhere. We don't. And as you would expect with Mark involved, everybody wants us to do something. When we go somewhere, we want it to be kind of cool that we're there and, and a little unexpected, which I think we've had with the current when people go, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's a municipal there. That's cool. And so that's kind of the same vibe that we want. If we're in the United States, for example, we don't want to be, as I said, we wouldn't want to have 500 stores or a thousand stores in the United States. We would want 35 or 40 that are a little bigger and a lot more experiential than probably what you would see in kind of the traditional mall based development. Um, and when we have retail partnerships, which we're starting now, we're not going to have a, a partnership and a relationship with everyone. We only want it with a few people that we feel like are going to love having the brand there, help us activate it and help us keep the quality and the, the experience consistently excellent. That's kind of how, that's kind of how we see it. And in addition to getting into new products, we have a shoe launching this fall, which um, I mean, being three years old and we're doing our own shoe. Like we like the audacity of a brand like ours doing that. It's not a collab. We're not doing a collab. We're not a special colorway of a brand that always exists throw our name on it. Like that's not authentic to us either. We went out, we set out to do our own thing with the most comfortable, coolest looking sneaker trainer shoe walking around on the planet earth. And I know that sounds like we're, we're crazy, but maybe we are, but maybe we're right too. I was going to ask you. I love it. I love it. I was going to ask when those are for sale. I was like, when are those? Cause I see Mark in the, on his Instagram, uh, wearing them. Um, some prototypes. That's the that's the hard part with Mark. It's a little different. Did you know that we're not just some marketing gimmick? Is he's been showing that stuff for a year? When we're like, don't show what we're doing, <laughs> please don't show what we're doing. But we also like. I'm glad you mentioned that because we sort of want people to feel like they're part of what we're up to, you know. And and um, so we to answer your question, those are those will launch in September. So and uh, we've been working on it. Pretty much since day one, which is unusual, you know, for us. We don't do every, we don't do things in the most straight, straight line way here. So when we launched the, the, the brand, we always felt like we, we need to be head to toe. We wanted the whole municipal sport utility gear to be head to toe. And, and, and in a lot of ways, like the shoe really represents what we do best. It's versatile, it's comfortable, it's cool, it's stylish, and you can wear it anywhere, any, any place, any time for any reason. And, uh, we're, we're really excited about it. I mean, Mark's been wearing those in the gym, going to meetings. I think there's one, he's, he's filming a movie right now and he's wearing the shoes in the movie. I mean, it's like, it's that kind of thing. We're, we're really, we're really geeked out about it. It's also great product testing, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nobody works out like that guy. Right. So if, if it can, if it can withstand the rigor of a workout, then you know that, wearing it, walking around and going to meetings and just being comfortable, a comfortable kind of travel shoe, you know, it's going to, it's going to live up to that. Right. So you guys are pretty young, but you're also very nimble. You work with us to open in nine days besides COVID. Like what is the biggest bump in the road you overcame or even that you might anticipate in the future if it hasn't come up yet? It's coming up, you know, I, I think because of, of, carving out this space and the positioning of municipal sport utility gear 
and um, in a pretty big category that we really do feel the the sense of urgency to solidify our our positioning and solidify what we are and to carve out our own thing because there's a lot of copycats out there and we're also really paranoid. So sometimes we see big guys doing things and we're like, Oh, they're doing it cause we're doing it. And sometimes that's paranoia, but sometimes it's really true. So we have, we do have this sense of urgency and, and of late, the thing that's the most um, pressing to us is, is scaling the business now. So, you know, without boring everyone, Everyone thinks you can just turn on a light and go from X X revenue or X units to three X units the next year. But it's really tough if you think about the people you have to hire, the investments you have to make. We're opening up uh, three retail stores in the next 12 months, and they're not just turnkey, 1,800 square feet in a mall. You know, wow. off you go. These are these are custom specific to where they are location so that everyone will be unique like a boutique hotel almost. Wow. So there's a, it's, I, I tell, I tell my wife when I get home that it, I have both hands on the steering wheel and the oxygen tank right next to us. And, uh, it's intense and every kind of stage of growth kind of feels that way from, you mentioned it, just launching the business. What that was an accomplishment to, okay, now we're, we're doubling it, doubling the size of the business the next year, doubling it the year after that, tripling it the year after that. Like every, every stage along the way is, has its own sets of challenges. And I think that when you're, when you're in a startup mode, it also feels like every single decision you make is existential. And what you kind of quickly realize is that's not really true. There are only a handful of things that truly can can sink you um and so you got to focus on what those things are and then all the other things just you know understand that you're going to get some of them right you're going to get some of them wrong and the 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 key really is just keep moving keep everyone positive learn from those mistakes try not to make the same mistake again if you can help it and uh and keep plowing forward so just i would say to anyone who's thinking about starting something the, it, it, it seems scary. And if you're a perfectionist, then you're not going to have a whole lot of fun doing it. <laughs> but if you can just appreciate that nine tenths of whatever success means is just hanging in there, then, uh, then it's, you know, I, I, it's awesome. I think that's some of the best advice we've gotten on this podcast. Great soundbite. Thank you. <laughs> just yeah. hang in there. Just hang in there, everybody. Hang in. Buckle up. Buckle survival, up. Survival is good. It is good. So you you guys are surviving. I mean, and it sounds like you've got some new retail partners. You've got some new, you know, you're, you're, you're planting seeds and some really, sounds like some really interesting markets. I'm really excited to see what that will look like. So it, with all of that, has there been a door that, it, you know, that's the best you've ever opened so far for the business that you're most excited about or maybe one that's coming up? I, I don't know about specific to a door, but I, I will tell you a cool story and, and it's never underestimate luck when you're doing this either. And I think a lot of people, when they write, whatever their story is at the end, especially business ones, you never, you never even hear about like 
So we were really lucky. But a couple years ago, I mentioned that we came or I came from the golf industry and uh, an agent friend of mine, I was just talking with him at, uh, at an event the the U S open was here in San Diego a couple years ago. So I was just having, having coffee with him and was describing municipal had just launched. So we had just launched less than a year before that. And he was asking about how municipal is going and what we saw and where we were going, you know, where, what we were planning to do. And I was kind of, painting like the broad brushstroke of where we thought we were going. And, and he asked like, what, what are you guys thinking about in terms of, of endorsed athletes or are you, do you have an athlete strategy? I'm like, not really, not quite yet. Um, but at some point we want to, we want to get into having athletes represent us, of course, because sports and, 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 uh, and athletics is, is a major part of our brand and, but we don't know about golf or whatever. So he started talking about a guy that has, was new to him. He, who it's like, and I knew who the guy was. He's like, what do you think about him? And I said, well, you know, I, we're a startup. So if, if, if he is looking for a lot of structure and being a part of a big machine, like we're a bad fit, <laughs> we're a bad fit because we're, we're not going to have all the products he wants. And, um, and he was make this guy's guy named Wyndham Clark and he was making a transition. He had been on the PJ tour for, uh, three, three years at that point. He was, he was making a, a transition where he really wanted to commit to doing everything he needed to do to put himself in the best position to, to, um, to really elevate where his career was. And he was, you know, a guy that had been on tour, but nobody really knew him unless you were really into golf and really a golf nerd, which, um, I was then totally not one of those now, but I was then. And, um, and so we were like, yeah, this, this would be, this would be great. Let's, let's pursue that. And at, at, at worst, um, we'll, we'll learn a lot. Wyndham's a great guy. He, he's, he's up for the startup challenge of working with us. And at best, maybe we'll, we'll have a relationship with a guy that ultimately could be a top 50 kind of player in the world, which every brand that does what I want, what we do would want to have. And sure enough, and I think this is all because of municipal, he's, we, we signed him right at the beginning of 2022. He had a really good, 2022 kind of clawing his way. He was 150th in the world. As I said, when we signed him last week, he won the U S open. So one of the biggest events of the year, he's 13th in the world. He's 13th in the world now, and he'll be top 10 in the world in the next few weeks. So everything that we thought could happen is happening with him. It was one of the best brand moments we've had because he's wearing our brand. PJ tour. He introduced us to a lot of new people that didn't quite know our brand. And, um, again, never underestimate luck. Cause That's if you awesome. said two years ago, Hey, at the door, you guys should plan for him to USC open. So like little things like that, um, little things like that go a long way. Not wasn't little. That's a major thing, but that, that was really cool. That's really cool. Congrats. I mean, the, and yeah. luck, like that is sort of like, serendipitous luck like that you know you knew to have the conversation with a colleague and it ended up being like such a great win 
got to keep your network expansive. That's the other yeah. thing I'd say for anyone starting uh, a, a business because you're, I think that especially it's so hard. Your instinct is to get as small and insulated and protected because you, you know, you're really vulnerable, especially in, in an entrepreneurial setting. I, I should, this might be idiosyncratic to me because I came from a big secure place, but you feel really small and vulnerable and everyone's instinct when you're feeling s- small and vulnerable is to uh, honestly become the smallest version of yourself and the most protected. And that's the worst thing you can do when you're, when you're trying to lead and grow a, a new business that you, you need to become even more vulnerable and, and be, try to be the biggest, broadest version of yourself and really expand your network because you never know that next conversation could be the one that is game changing. So fill space, everyone. Take up space. Yeah. Take up the space. That's awesome. Take up space. That's Take up space. When I was um, kind of like getting to know you online, reading all the articles you've done or interviews you've done, um, a, a common theme popped up a few times that you have like three core kind of values or virtues that you follow in your brands and maybe also in your life. I was wondering, we have a lot of like, you know, listeners who might be newly starting out or feeling inspired to start something. If you could talk them through that and kind of define how those um, interact with your work. Well, you know, the first thing, and I wish that I had knew, knew this when I was 22 and it took me probably till I was older than that in my forties is, is you really need to you need really need to stay committed to your values. It's it's the only thing at the end of the day that you shouldn't transact um, or compromise on. So number one, follow your values, and if you're going to follow them, it's pretty important that you actually know what they are. So understand what your values are. What are the two or three things that are the most important to you that you will not compromise, and hold true to that. And you can be wrong a lot, and as long as you are not uh, out of out of alignment on your values, then you can kind of get through everything. Um, that's definitely number one. And I think number two is success doesn't happen by accident. And I'm not suggesting that municipals is success, but everything we've done has been a part of trying to achieve our, our broader vision of what we wanted to do as a business. And that, that comes for you, you personally too is what's your personal vision, and then um, I think one of the things we really want to uh, kind of impart, you know, impart to people is is it's not really enough to have a dream and then hustle. You have to have a plan, hmm. otherwise you're just you're just you're going to exhaust yourself. So in between the dream and the hustle is the plan. And we argue about that a lot. Like me, Mark and Lev and our team here is like, the plan sounds so calculated. It's like, well, it kind of is like you, you put a plan together of how you're going to achieve something. And, uh, I'm a, I'm a Georgia football fan. So, uh, I having grown up in Atlanta and I do not like Alabama football, but I respect them a lot. And one of the things that, um, their coach, Nick Saban is, probably the maybe the best college football coach that existed, certainly probably the best that's out there now. And I listened to an interview he did 
not that long ago. And he said, when his players come in and they say, I want to, I want to play SEC football and I want to play in the NFL. Okay. That's the dream, right? He says to all of them, do you know what that entails? Meaning, do you understand the plan and the hustle you have to do to make that a reality? A dream without a plan and being able to work for it is a fantasy. So the dream plan hustle and repeating that. And I talked before about the, the, the path to success, whatever that success is. Um, this is, you know, I say this as imparting a little bit of wisdom because I'm, which means I'm a little bit older is it's never a straight line. It's always jagged. So that's the repeat part, but you got to have a plan that ladders to your dream and you got to be willing to work for it. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the second part. And then I think the, the third part is you have to have a passion for what you're doing. I know that seems obvious, but especially in an entrepreneurial, um, entrepreneurial environment, I, I, I know when I hear somebody that's like, I want to start a business and I'm like, well, tell me about it. If they start with like the market size, then I know they're not, that's not the way to look at it. If they start with, they have a passion for the consumer or a passion for the industry or a passion for the product they're making, then I, I know I, I'm going to bet on that person to succeed because, um, and no matter what that is, this is a cliche, but it, even if you're in a tiny market, if you're passionate about those consumers and you're passionate about the products you're making, you will be successful. And I put that in quotes, whatever success is, but you, you'll, you'll have, um, you'll have success. You'll be successful. It's just, it's just, it's just it. You just will. So it's it's definitely answer. like those three things. Those are great. I feel like they they come off, you might think that they're like, oh, yeah, of course. But then when you ex- explain them through your lens, it like makes so much more sense. Also, um, Harry, I think you could do radio. I think you could go back to radio and yeah, you, like you do. Would crush it, no, like, you would crush it. You would my, crush my radio, it. My radio would be like if they had a show that was like, I don't know, 2 o'clock to like 2.20. <laughs> I could do it from my house, and I didn't have to worry about anyone listening. That was I wasn't ever ever judged on how many people listen. Yeah, maybe sounds like a podcast. Maybe yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you I go. Exactly. Say, I think it's a podcast, and I, I mean, you have such solid advice for those that are listening, and you know that are founders, because I think so many get really lost and, um, you know, super hyper focused at different stages of the business too. And I think what you said about it is in a straight line. I mean, it, it is, it's just not. And then, you know, and there's so many different levels of your business as, as it grows. And, you know, I think hearing your advice and it always, you know, going back to the values that you have is, is so important for people to remember. So thank you. I have this little dumb graphic that I put on presentations sometimes to the internal team and it had, it's just in quadrants and all of them are labeled. This is growth. And there's one that looks like pretty standard. It's like the straight line growth. Then there's another one that's like the hockey stick. And then there's another one that's like totally jagged. And there's one that's like S shape. You know, they're all growth. It's all. But if you, if you get stuck on one quadrant or the other, of course, if you're stuck on the straight line growth, good luck. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. And I think that's, that's, um, that's what I think derails a lot of people because they think, okay, that's what it looks like. I gotta, I gotta grow. Uh, you know, 20% every year. And that doesn't work in a startup. I don't know any startups that do that. And 
I think in a brand, in a company like ours, this is why getting back to, you know, having a passion for it and knowing your values and, and putting the plan together, it takes eight years. It just does. And the people that think that read the dumb stories about the overnight successes on a brand that went from zero to, to whatever a unicorn overnight is like, well, those are the stories the brand tells, but it really didn't happen that way. You know, like it takes eight years. It just does. You got to be locked in and ready to be committed for that, that time run minimum, minimum. Yeah. And I will say you're very lucky, Harry, because I have met many brands in my life. I feel very, very fortunate. And um, sometimes the teams, you know, are not necessarily the right people for, you know, you know, for multiple reasons. And your team all has really synced energy and passion and focus, which is why we could have, I think that's just, you know, it exemplifies how we were able to work with them to open a store in, in nine days. I mean, that's, it's, it's crazy to say out loud, but like when you, you have great people that surround you, I think that also leads to great success. It's one of our values here. I'm glad you mentioned that is uh, going many, many years back. I always on the teams, even at big places thought, I mean, it's going back 15 years ago. I would say we have to have a uh, uh, improv comedy group mindset of yes. And always that yes. And instead of no. So like, in this case, okay, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do the uh, this pop up at the current, and we got to get it done in nine days. So instead of the group saying hell no, we're not doing that. It's yes, and here's what we would need to do to make that a reality. So let's go, let's go make it happen. Yeah, we do that all the time. I didn't even know that was like a a, a, Me neither. Like yes, a, a coin break. But I think we yes yeah. end all day long. I think I didn't I didn't even know that I was a part of that yes end club. We're basically you you improv, improv comedians. Perfect. Oh my god. I'm right. I might be the funniest right. person I've ever met. The way that I end <laughs> yes end all the day all day long. <laughs> oh my god. Well, seeing of being funny, we do have our fun question at the end and it's always a little bit of a surprise and comes from Ryan. So yeah. we'll let him dive in there and God knows what he'll say. <laughs> well, I was gonna All right, Ryan, be kind, be well, kind. I will. <clears throat> I was going to tell you the story about Bowie, but I started off at the beginning with that. Um, but um, my question is, is when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grow up versus what you've become now? And do you ever think to yourself, I should have followed that dream that I had when I was a kid? Uh, yes, I do. I wanted to be a play-by-play, um, broadcaster. And, uh, yes. So that was, I was absorbed with wanting to be, you know, a a play-by-play as a, as a young kid. And then, um, somewhere along the way, and you can kind of hear this from what my influences are. I thought that I wanted to be a comedy writer. And so, of course, I never did anything to pursue those. But from time to time, I do think, what would my life have been like if I'd stuck with it and wanted to be, you know, stuck in broadcasting to be play-by-play or, or God forbid, a comedy writer? Would I really have been willing to, to struggle as a, as a young writer? I don't know. But I do think that, um, and you guys have mentioned it, like those two kind of... Uh, at least parts of me that existed as a kid, I kind of bring to the table in the job that I have here. So they're, they're present, 
Um, I don't do play by play of people around the office, if that's what you're thinking, but, um, they're present, they're present in, in kind of the, the, uh, the day to day way that I lead and certainly the way that I think creatively and the curiosity. Brian, that's a great question. What would you do? What was I? Well, I want, when I was a kid, I thought thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. I'm not going to lie. I really did. And it wasn't until I, um, I went to college to play that a coach I had for club soccer had told my dad, like, hey, just make sure Ryan knows that, you know, there's a small percentage of people. This is like right when the MLS was just like starting, you know, um, of people who make it and then he should look into other things. So, but my mindset when I went to college was soccer is everything. And I learned pretty quickly freshman year of college. I was like, <laughs> this isn't everything I want to be like anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, I did want to be a soccer player. Uh, I also wanted to be an actor when I was a kid and a rapper. And now I'm, you know, I'm an IT guy. I get to help people um, fix their problems. And I get to, I get to do some of this talking on this great podcast we have too. So it's, it, it's all worked out. Wouldn't for me. be, wouldn't be here without you. So what about, what about you, Taylor? Um, well, when I was little, little, like under 10, I had a big sister who worked in the Macy's shoe department and I thought that was the best <laughs> thing ever. So I wanted to work at the Macy's shoe department and, um, and then amazing. I know. And then, um, when I got older, Slash still like kind of now. I was like always want to be like this is so dorky, but everything I say is dorky on here. Like a farmer, (laughs) 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 like a grower of like I don't know, like have a little like yeah, like have a little cute grocery store there and whatever. But I grew up in a very rural area, so I feel like it just like embedded in me. So Macy's shoe department would be great. (laughs) Karina can still happen. happen. They should still have a shoe department and I'm sure they're looking for good salespeople. (laughs) Karina, what about you? Well, similarly, like when I was really young, I grew up my family owned store. So I, I think I just thought I would always own a store and I loved clothes and you know, I, they, they were in the liquor business, like playing wine, you know, but I, so I didn't want that, but I, I liked the idea of like, the retail store, which is very fitting for my job. But, but I went to school for communication because I grew up watching, I grew up watching VH1 and MTV. And I thought that I'd be like a VJ one day. Like I wanted to be Carson Daly. Like hey, I was it's never too late mm-hmm. for you, Karina. You still, you, oh, you got the fire. You. Mm-hmm. So this is my, this is like my one little avenue to like yeah. live out that, that dream of mine. But yeah, so it, I can't, I think they all kind of manifested in this very unique role that I, that I have now, which is great. That's fun. Yeah. Super fun. All right. Well, Well, Harry, we can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Such great tidbits, too. Can't wait to put this out there. I feel like I met a celebrity today, Harry. All right. At least my kid thinks I met a celebrity today. Guys, I think we're going to have to change our opening, and they all have to be like little snippets of Harry's wisdom throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We're going to need to. Is that okay, Harry? Can we use those? Yeah, definitely. And uh, okay. watch your audience decrease every time you do it. So beware. That's so funny. Beware. All right. All well, right. thank you so thank much. Thank you, guys. Have Thanks a good for one. having me. Good to see you all. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening in. For more retail tips, tricks, and conversations, follow us on Instagram at The Retail Darwin. Let us know what you'd like to hear and never miss an episode by subscribing on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.